you're trying to take away the thing that makes work bearable. Like you're trying to make me step away from the thing that helps me get through being here. And that was when I was just like, I can't, <laughs> like, I, I was really just like, I can't, I cannot be here. I literally like envisioned myself had I made the alternate decision to stay, like I would be absolutely miserable. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pili, and welcome to episode 185 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. Imagine you were called into the office of senior leadership at your job and asked to choose between your extremely lucrative side hustle or keeping your day job. This is a scenario that many side business owners have played out in their minds. For today's guest, Annie Papula, it became reality when a partner at her law firm asked her to choose between staying on as a lawyer and continuing as a viral beauty influencer. Before we hear how Annie's story unfolds, I want to ask you for a quick favor. Please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps others like you discover our show so we can continue to help them launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with lawyer and beauty content creator, Annie Papula. Annie Papula, welcome to She's Off-Script. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. So for anyone who hasn't come across you before, could you share who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I am a beauty and lifestyle content creator based in New York City. I pretty much started about five years ago just sharing. Um, I started a blog and I just wanted to use it as an opportunity to share more about life as a 20-something-year-old Black woman who was living in New York City and just experiencing life as a recent college grad or post-college grad. Um, And so that kind of blossomed into me just sharing about my life and my journey through law school, which I completed in 2022. Um, I recently, I started a few months ago at a top New York City law firm, but recently decided to pivot away from that um, and to pursue content creation full-time, which really blew up more than I could have ever imagined. So um, I'm just really excited for what's ahead. So speaking of blowing up, I, I feel like you've gone viral twice that I know of. The first time was you discovering that you passed the bar. That, I mean, I almost shed a tear for you because that's such an exciting moment. And the second time was when you announced to your community that you had decided to go full-time content creating. So we'll dig into both parts of that spectrum of your journey. But I did hear that you had always wanted to be a lawyer, hence your excitement when you found out you passed the bar. So given that that's the trajectory you had set for yourself going to Harvard, going to Columbia Law, what led you to start side hustling as a beauty influencer? Yeah. So beauty influencing was something that I fell into. So it started just because after, so in 2017, I graduated from Harvard and I moved back home to New York city and Mm. moving back home made me realize how much I missed the city and specifically things about the city, like the fashion culture, like how going somewhere most of the time, like what, people would consider dressed up in Boston or in Cambridge was very much so casual in New York. And so Mm. I would go to church with my family on Sundays and be really excited about the fact that like, I didn't have to be casual anymore and I would be able to dress up. And I took pictures every single Sunday after church or 
had one of my little brothers take pictures of me and um, would just post them consistently on Instagram, post them every single week. And it became something that, you know, my followers who were my friends at the time just knew to look forward to. Um, And I'm the type of person who likes to self set like personal deadlines. And so Mm -hmm. after a few months of doing that, a friend had come up with the term any given Sunday, like just casually came up with it. So it's cool that, you know, the name of my entire brand was actually the idea of a friend of mine. Um, But I gave myself a personal deadline of, you know, a year and said, you know, after a year of doing those posts or around a year of doing those posts, either let it go and just, you know, fade back into doing Instagram like everyone else does or take it seriously and start to like take steps towards building something. So I decided to start a blog because I like to write and I thought that was the only platform that I could call my own. You know, you could have a YouTube channel, you could have the Instagram, but having my own website would be something that I would be able to call my own. And so that's also why I went with a blog. Um, but I just continued to do that and continue to share on different platforms. When TikTok came around, I shared about my life as a law student, continued to post on Instagram and to continue to post on uh, my blog. And so it was really not anything that I ever intended to do. Um, but of course, like beauty is one of the things that I really cared about. Um, in like college, I was like kind of known as the girl who like did her eyeshadow. I remember in one of my social groups, we had like, we all had to present on different topics as like part of our quote unquote initiation. And the topic I presented on like what I did was a makeup tutorial, like a beauty and eyeshadow tutorial. So that was like the thing that I was known to do in, in college, which was really when I started to wear makeup. So it only was, it was naturally just an extension of the types of things that I like to do. So fast forward, as you mentioned, you landed an associate role at one of the top law firms in New York, which is such an amazing milestone. I'm curious, how did you present this burgeoning side hustle on your resume and during conversations with your employers or potential employers? Yeah. So during law school, uh, the like career services office would tell us like, you know, it's nice to mention if you have interests or hobbies Mm -hmm. Um, and there would be like a line on your resume for that. So I included that as, you know, beauty, beauty blogging was, was there as a line on my resume. Um, and it often piqued people's interest as I figured it would, um, because I don't think that was very common, uh, for a law student to be interested in. And when it would come up, I would, you know, talk about, you know, uh, I fell into beauty blogging and it's something that I do. Um, but my angle was always to connect it back to how it could relate to my abilities in the workplace. And so I would mention that it gave me really unique experiences connected to the law because I would, you know, be able to review contracts when I would work with brands. Um, and so that was an opportunity. And then on top of that, there were a few instances where other brands or other, uh, you know, small businesses were using my images to promote or sell their own products and how, you know, that would be like, you know, a copyright or intellectual property issue. And so Mm -hmm. those were conversations that came up. And I remember at one of my summer jobs, like I brought that like, you know, situation up and they were like, draft a cease and desist. Like, this is a really great experience. This is a really great time to get that experience. So like, go ahead. So these were the types of things that were coming up. It wouldn't be the focus. I, I personally never really wanted to bring it up in the workplace because it was still very much so a thing that I did um, outside of work, but like to the extent that I could use it to my advantage or use it to play up how like 
all of these sorts of things were always connected to the law, which was really why I went to law school in the first place. Like everything seemed like it always connected to some sort of law you couldn't get past. If you wanted to start something, if you wanted to continue something, if you wanted to end something, there were always laws involved. And so mm. I used it to tie in my connection to, um, to being a law student and wanting to be a lawyer. Did your colleagues ever kind of happen across your profile online and try to follow you? Because that's always a thing. People are like, nah, I just blocked my colleagues. I don't want them to know what I'm doing online. How did you address that? Yeah. So sometimes, well, honestly, like if you Google, the thing about also like having social media and a blog and wanting to be public, like mm-hmm. I knew that people would find me. Like, first of all, if you Google me, like after I want to say my LinkedIn, like my blog comes up, my Instagram comes up, all of these YouTube videos come up. So for me, I was like, yeah, it's not really going to be a secret that I do mm-hmm. these things. Yeah. Um, and so I never, I never really thought that what I did um, as a beauty influencer was a secret, but to the extent that it would come up in work, I would kind of like shy away from it. And like, you know, there were a couple of times where like sometimes, for example, when I was a summer associate and there are like certain activities that they plan for summers, whether it's for the full class or in teams, but one of the Mm -hmm. potential team activities that someone uh, came up with was like going to make custom lipsticks. Um, And like, it was because that person knew that I was a beauty influencer, which is like, you know, sweet. You're like trying to relate it to that. But I personally was like, no, like we don't have to really like bring in the fact that I like do this stuff outside of work, even though it's right. cool. Um, but to the extent that I was aware that people uh, who I worked with uh, followed me or knew my content, like I wouldn't like block them, but I would like, for example, mute my stories or like mm-hmm. mute whatever I could so that they wouldn't necessarily see it. Um, but the thing about growing and growing so rapidly is that you no longer really have a sense of who's following you when they follow you. Instagram lumps it all together and will say yeah. like, so-and-so and 50 other people followed you. Or like, if you're growing, like I grew, like, you know, if you're growing at hundreds or thousands of people in a, in a day or over a week, like it's really right. hard to keep track of who is following you. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, I would say over the course of the year from, my last year of law school was when I really started to see exponential growth because that was like a really big milestone year that a lot of people were tuned into. And so yeah. that started to be the beginning of not really being able to keep track of who would see my content or who was following me and all of those things. So so now you've started your full-time career at the time. How did you balance it? What does balance look like? I'm sure a lot of people ask you about that because I hear your first year or your first couple of years as a junior associate can be extremely challenging. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that I, it's funny. I wasn't really worried about it, but like other people were worried about it, which yeah. in turn then started to make me more worried about it. Um, mm. But some of the things that I did going in, like I adjusted my schedule. So I, in preparation for starting work, like I trained myself to wake up at five in the morning. Um, and that was because not just because of like being able to balance, honestly, it was more so like being able, well, not being able to balance um, beauty influencing, but more so being able to have balance, like work-life balance. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. I still want to be able to go to the gym. I still want to be able to sit and read my Bible in the morning. I still want to be able to eat before I leave. Like I still want to be able to breathe. And so I'm going to just wake up at five in the morning so that I can still do all of those things and not feel like I'm scrambling out of the door. Um, I mean, you know, that also that, you know, because between five and 830 when I would leave for work or five and nine, that's three and a half to four hours. So sometimes there might be 
a 30 minute time slot where I would, you know, also shoot off some emails to like my agency or to my, um, or, or just brands that had reached out. So to the extent that I could just do that in the morning, I would, um, I was big on multitasking. So for example, like if I had a couple of videos to edit, like my commute to work was 30 minutes, I would be on the train and I would be editing. Right. Like, so really things like that. But, um, in terms of balance, I mean, I definitely scaled back a lot of influencer opportunities. I also scaled back significantly on the creating, like my blog is like, you know, that was the first place that I started, but I want to say I hadn't posted. The last post I did was like October after like, I did like a Bali, I went to Bali and I did a recap and I didn't post again until February just because I didn't have time. And I also didn't really have inspiration. And I think that's another part of the job. I kind of felt like my creativity was stifled just because I was worried about so many different things. So, I mean, to the extent that I could, a lot of, you know, administrative stuff happened in the morning, but most of what I did was exclusively on the weekends. Um, mm. and I say that like my, I'm signed to an agency and like the c- consistent communication with brands would be like, if you get to us, if you tell us something on Monday, like the deadline and you want content, the deadline can't be until after the weekend because any is only able to shoot over the weekend. And so there never was a situation where it was like, okay, you know, we need something, it's Monday and we need something by Wednesday because that would usually mean, you know, I'm filming in the middle of the week, which is something that I never really did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really just a lot of finessing, a lot of meandering. Um, sometimes I was actually like late on deliverables for the content side of things. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, like I was never on time or I was, I mean, I was always on time. Like sometimes that side did um, struggle, but to me, that was fine because it was like, all right, like the main thing that I'm focusing right now on right now is my job. And that's totally okay with me. So just making it very clear to people, like this is content creation is not my full-time job. Like I can't go to these events that are at noon. I can't, you know, give you content in two days. Like all of those things um, were just a part of the balance, which almost makes it seem like the balance was a lot more of a struggle than people think, which um, honestly probably like sounds about right. Like I wasn't, doing everything and I wasn't everywhere at once, but it was still doable and it was still possible in that way. Mm. I know the brand deals started to roll in at a certain point. As you're gaining popularity, more brands are thinking, Ooh, I, I really like her version of influencing. At any point, did you feel like, wow, this might be more lucrative and less stressful than my nine to five? Did you ever consider moving to that side full time? I had never really considered moving to that side full time before that, but it was very clear at a certain point last year that it was more lucrative and would potentially be more lucrative. I think it was at some, cause I signed to an agency in March. I signed to the agency that I'm currently at in March of 2022. Right. So all of this happened really fast. It was about a year ago that I signed to the agency. And so I didn't really have a full picture of like, the negotiation and how my rates would increase and all and how the growth that I would experience even through graduation until I want to say like around, it wasn't, it wasn't even maybe around like June. What I can say is I specifically remember, cause we had two options for start dates at the firm. Um, and we had a September option and an October option. And I remember feeling kind of a little anxious going with the October option because I was like, 
you know, am I going to be able to support myself financially? Like through that extra, through that entire time, like we take the bar in July, I have to find a new apartment. I have to do all of these things. Like I was a little nervous and I was like, maybe I'll go with the September option. And, and so it, even at that point, like I, I was still a little shaky or nervous. And once I made it through, like I made it through those three months, I traveled, like I did, I moved into a new apartment. Like I was fine. I was like, I can keep going. Like to me, I was like, if they move this start date to November, December, like You're I was good. fine. So like, maybe that was the point that I was like, oh, like you're good. Like, oh, okay. Like this is really fine. Um, but I didn't really want, I didn't really give it much thought because I was like, well, like this was never the original plan. And so like, I'm still going to do what, you know, I set out to do, which is, I guess, be a lawyer, even though working at that law firm, wasn't really the type of lawyer that I had set out to be initially. And so, yeah, I think I was a little, it was mind blowing for me to see like numbers and to be like, oh, like, oh, like, really? Like, for real? <laughs> like, I'm even today, I'm still, I'm shocked. I'm like, oh, like, and conversations about about money and especially around content creation are so interesting because like, even now I'm getting so many questions like, how are you supporting yourself? Like, da 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 da. And like, I'm not the type of person to be like, listen, like, I'm good because like, I don't need, that's none of your business. Right. Like, that's, that's really none of your business. But even like me myself, I'm like, oh shoot, like, I am more than okay. Like, I am more than okay. And then even through stepping away, like, there were so many opportunities that I turned down. Now I'm like, oh, like, I was, I didn't even have my, full attention on content creation before and it was already that lucrative. Mm. So like, yeah, it's, it's still, the short answer is it's really still even hard for me to believe that I'm in this like position right now, but I'm grateful. Ooh, I would be more than grateful too. (laughs) But (laughs) so as you shared with your audience, you were pushed to a crossroads where you had to pick between law, your nine to five and content creation. So for the benefit of the members of our audience who haven't heard that side of your story, could you share a little bit about the events that brought you to the point where you are now a full-time content creator? Yeah. Um, so I shared in that video and like share, we'll share the same because is exactly how it went down. Um, it was like the day after my 28th birthday, which I feel like is so like symbolic to me. At least I'm going to take it as a symbol because I'm just like, oh, wow, like 28, like no time to waste. Let's go. Like, let's get out of here. Um, and I was called in for a meeting with a partner, um, the partner that I worked with. So like I was familiar and they were familiar with um, the, you know, the blog that I had just because it had been something that we discussed, like when I was a summer associate, it had been something that came up in conversation. So that to me is really why I was like, oh, like, you know, this is fine as long as I don't like, you know, parade around the office think, saying like, hey guys, like, I don't need this job. Like, hey guys, like, that type of thing. <laughs> um, and so I was called in and essentially, you know, uh, the my blog was brought up. It was pretty a pretty serious meeting, um, you know, like door closed and everything. Um, mm. Pretty scary meeting, honestly, for me because I had no clue what I was walking into. And I essentially was told, um, that, you know, it came to their attention and through someone else at another firm who then like, you know, saw it because everyone, I guess you, you can't really control who sees your TikTok before you page the algorithm. Like you really never know who to reach. Um, and that they contacted someone that they knew at the firm just to kind of be like, you know, like, huh, like how is she able to do this while at like the firm? Um, and then that person looked through it and then sent it to the partner that I was meeting with. Um, and they looked through, looked through the, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. And was like, 
you know, you're making money off of this, like, and that like goes against, like, we have a policy on outside of work activities that says that you cannot like accept any work legal or non-legal. Um, and that is the language of the policy. Like you cannot accept work. Um, and like, you know, the policy that I acknowledged and like, admittedly, it's like, I might've read it and then like, but you also don't really have a choice. Um, and like in those situations, it's kind of like, the thing that's funny about it is I don't, didn't view content creation as work per se. And so even then it wouldn't have really rang a bell as like, you're mm. working, like you are working. Um, right. But anyways, that uh, conversation that was brought up. And there were also some other things in the conversation that were brought up that I didn't share publicly um, that suggested, because the first question is like, okay, well, if I stop doing the paid sponsorships, like, is that, is the issue taken care of? Um, mm-hmm. But there were other parts of the conversation that I won't get into that just left me feeling like it wasn't just about the moonlighting policy. And it was, about the social media presence in general. Um, and that like, even if I had stopped taking the paid partnerships, like it really wouldn't like, it wasn't something that the firm would vibe with. Um, Mm. and so that was really, I knew immediately in that meeting, like my first thought was like, I have to leave. I need to get out of here. Um, and the reason I felt that way was because the way I had viewed like the creation and beauty influencing and blogging um, was just as I said it. I got it. I didn't view it as work. That was mm-hmm. always my outlet. That was always my like. I need some creative passion to get me through what I'm doing in law school, to get me through what I'm doing um, at the firm. And so, like to that, it's funny because it's like I would, I would. This is something that I would do for no money. Like, and everyone mm-hmm. in my family who knows me says it. Like, you didn't do this. You didn't set out to do this. You do it because like you're extra. You do it because like this is who you are. Right. And so it's funny because it's like you know, but then take away the money. And it wasn't even about the money. It's like, you're trying to take away the thing that makes work bearable. Like you're Mm -hmm. trying to make me step away from the thing that helps me get through being here. And that was when I was just like, I can't, (laughs) like, I I was really just like, I can't, I cannot be here. I literally like envisioned myself had I made the alternate decision to stay, like I would be absolutely miserable. Um, Like I, I probably would be crying every single day Um, I would just have been really unhappy. And so besides the fact that like finances were fine and like I was, I could afford to walk away. Mm. It was really more so of a, like, this is like my creativity. Like this is like, this is something that makes me happy in a way that I wouldn't have guessed. And when rubber met the road, it was like, all right, like we can, we, I don't need this. Like I can step away. I absolutely don't have to be here. So that was a lot of my own thoughts and feelings interjected into that. But the moral, the whole entire story is, I was, you know, there was a policy that limited outside of work activities and accepting paid partnerships with brands was in, was contrary to that policy. And so I had to make a decision because of that. And I was told, you know, you cannot do both. Like, you know, there is a policy that, um, or there was a part of the policy that, you know, says like, you can, you know, ask for permission, but that policy really left it way too much up to the firm. And I also was told that uh, beauty influencing wasn't really the type of thing that they um, make exceptions for. Those are things I didn't include in the video. So like, whatever, you know, you're getting a little bit, but there was a lot more. And I say that because there was so much discourse and conversation that I did not expect 
Um, but there, I also didn't give the full picture of why, like, I absolutely knew I could not stay there, but, um, that's just to give you a sense of like the situation. Mm-hmm. Reading in between the lines, I absolutely understand the decision to leave because even if this is a temporary, you know, leaving, stepping away from law, that particular law from the environment just sounds a little soul crushing, right? Yeah. Not to not to lump all nine to fives into that that bucket because that's absolutely not the case. But now you're in a transition period. Quite frankly, it's been less than a month, I think, since you stepped away from that law firm. And in many ways, you're kind of mourning something that was almost the pinnacle of what you were striving for. So what is this transition period looking like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, on a content creation side, I like, I've sort of like hit the ground running. Um, and that really was sparked by, uh, my desire to, I think a lot of people, like, I remember there being a time where they were like, you know, do you want to take a break? We can push these deadlines. Is that the third? And I was just like, no, like, well, the whole reason I left was so that I could be able to do these things. And like, I want to be able to maintain relationships with the brands. I want to be able to, you know, and, you know, maybe I, there were definitely brands were definitely understanding. And so like, if I wanted to push, I could, but for me, it was just like, well, no, like if, if now, like if the issue was, this is what I was doing outside of work and now I have the full time and ability to do it, like I'm going to do it. Like now I'm really going to do it. Um, but yeah, this is very much so a period of transition. It hasn't been a month yet. And Um, you know, besides the fact that I feel like I've hit the ground running, I've also like been able to pause and to, well, first of all, in the aftermath of that viral video, um, so many people have reached out. And so what felt like mourning the loss of something as I filmed it and shared it, um, really now just feels like the birth of so many new opportunities that I would not have known were available otherwise, because in law school, Um, there's very much so like the narrative, it's like big law or bust. Like if you don't start Mm -hmm. your career here, how, where are you going to start your career? No one else is going to take someone fresh out of law school. You have no experience, et cetera, et cetera. Which now I'm realizing I'm like, well, like to get, like to have experience, I just have to get the experience. Like, so somehow, some way someone is going to have an opportunity. Um, and there was someone on TikTok who like left a comment when I was talking about this and they were like, it needs to be studied how these organizations and, you know, corporate places have the ability to make very highly talented and qualified people make them feel like they are nothing without them. Um, Mm. and that really struck me because I'm just like, I, I'm, I forget like who it made me forget like who I am. Like, I'm like, I'm the type of person where if I put my mind to something like I can do it. Like I will do it. Nothing is impossible. Like all of those things. And so, um, this is, this is my, like, nothing is impossible phase. This is my, like, why, why do I have to wait? Like if I have a goal and the the idea before was, well, you need to work two years here and then you need to put five years in here and then you need to do so-and-so here before you're really considered a lawyer and before you're really considered this, like, no, like all of these rules are made up. And like, if like truly like I'm back in my like anything is possible era. So that's where I am in this transition and just regrouping. And I'm like, what are my craziest ideas? Where are the wildest ideas? And like, let me write them down and let me start like taking steps towards them. So I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to see what comes out of this anything is possible era. So before you described what your content creation process, what your workday looked like kind of in some sort of a balance with your nine to five, what does that structure look like today as you're still crafting it? Yeah. So, 
Um, now things, obviously things are spread out in the week. I'm like, I joke, like people at my agency can like talk to me during normal business hours. Like I wouldn't message them. And like, I would message them between the hours of like 12 and 8 30 and then like 12, like midnight and 8 30 AM. And like, mm-hmm. that would be it. And it's like, if you contact me, like, so I would always be like one business day behind because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. well, I'm replying to something that you sent yesterday and now you can't reply until the business day, but I'm not going to reply until the day after. But um, yeah, I've set like a personal schedule. Um, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays are like my admin days. So it might be a lot of emails, some like, you know, uh, revising, a lot of sponsored content, um, things like that. Um, or like, you know, a lot of times there might be events, things like that. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays are really my content creation days. So filming, um, editing, uh, concept drafting or more brainstorming. So really just like really creative days to just start thinking through things. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily something I fully stick to because like, I, I'm not going to limit ideas or the production of ideas to particular days, but it gives me a bit of structure. It gives me structure when I'm planning meetings. Like I might aim to plan meetings on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, as opposed to Tuesdays and Thursdays when I want to be, you know, in front of a camera and filming. So that's what the broad structure is now. But like, I still have my same morning routine, um, the same exact Still waking up at 5 a.m.? Yeah, still waking up at 5 a.m. Because I'm like, I'm already here. Like I don't necessarily want to lose it, but there is room for more grace. So say, for example, I had an event on a Wednesday night and I was out until 9, 10 or something like that. Um, and my bedtime is like 10 PM. So mm-hmm. obviously I'm not going to be able to meet my bedtime and I don't want to compromise on sleep. So maybe, you know, sleep until six or six 30, but, uh, by and large, my morning routine stays the same. And it's really just like, Oh, like I don't have to feel like I'm doing everything in a panic. Um, I don't have to feel like I'm doing everything in a rush and now I can take the time and like actually think through things. Um, so I really appreciate that. In retrospect, would you have done things differently as it relates to working your nine to five and balancing your content creation career? I don't know that I would have done anything differently. And there, I say this, there are multiple factors. Mm. I don't think I would have abandoned being a lawyer. Um, And I don't think I would have abandoned it because, and part of the reason why I was so fearful of ever even toying with the idea of going full-time and being a full-time content creator is because, you know, there was a part of me that was attached to the identity of being a content creator who wasn't just a content creator, right? Like, and a lot of people mm-hmm. put that on me, but I also embraced it. That like, you know, there, there's sometimes a lot of backlash for people who, you know, go the professional school route and then like become big enough on their platform and then decide not to like, you know, follow through and actually take on a full-time job. And I've seen that happen. And so I was a little bit fearful of that. Um, and so I don't think I really would have, and you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult to dive into the legal profession if you've never worked anywhere. Like, so had I gone straight from law school to like, all right, I'm going to be a content creator now. Like that could have really potentially been me just being like, all right, like I'm not even trying here. Like, let me forget it. Um, so I don't think I would have completely like gone content, full-time content creation right out of law school. Um, but truthfully, I also don't know that being like, but that actively like communicating the fact that I was making money would have done much different because I really think it would have led to the same outcome and it would have led to the same um, conclusion that like, it's not something that I can do and that it's not something that they usually make exceptions for. 
Um, and I also think that, and here's the thing, like there's a huge, and this is just my qualm with like the way um, things work in a lot of like professional, like a lot of schooling to professional pipelines where um, there is a very clear structure in place for recruiting. Mm. Like I uh, decided to join this firm as a summer associate. I received that offer in January of 2021. Um, and I spent my summer 2021 there. Normally that was even pushed back. Normally um, at the end of your first year in law school. So like August, 2021, that's when you do recruiting for where you'll be the following summer. So, and where you'll be the following summer is often the place where you will accept a full-time offer. So basically at the end of your first year of law school, you are almost effectively making a decision about where you want to be um, right out of law school two years later, over two years later. But for me, it was one and a half because COVID pushed our timeline a little bit back, but still January, 2021, I'm accepting you know, a summer position at a firm that I accepted a full-time position at after. Where I was in January 2021 as a content creator is way different from where I was when I started in October, from when I got an offer even in um, August of 2022 and from where I was, I mean, when I got an offer in August 2021 and very August 2021 is very different from where I was when I started at the firm October 2022. Like, so I, it truly was like that girl's little blog at that time. Yes. And they felt like it was a non-issue. Whereas today you blew up. So yeah. now you are an entity in yourself. Yeah. Now it's like, this is a business. Like you mm. are not just like doing this. And that's fair. Like it was a yeah. lot on my resume as an interest and hobby. And there were so many people who would tell me like, girl, you have a, like, that's a second full-time job. Like you have two jobs. Like you have, and I'd be like, no, no, no. Like no, it's just for fun because it was like, I was mm. still just doing it for fun. But the information that I had when I like thought I would pursue the law firm on the content creation side, like was so much had changed in those two years that I could have never anticipated. Um, and so even in that regard, like if I could go back in time, I, I wouldn't do anything differently because I would have never known that like, oh, like you're going to be able to support yourself. You're going to be able to work with brands like on a huge level. Like you're going to be signing year-long contracts and things like that. So I would have never been able to predict that. So I don't necessarily know that I would have done anything differently with the firm, but if I had the information that I had today, I would have had a lot more fun with my law school experience. Like I would have been like, how, like, I, I would have operated as if I don't need to work at the law firm and that I could create opportunities for myself. And so one of the things that I wish lost my law school had more of was just a little bit more on entrepreneurship in the law, right? Like you know, what, what does that look like? Who are the people who are in entrepreneurship now? What are their paths? Um, mm. And I would have been a little bit more reluctant to jump into the traditional path of working at a law firm because I would have been like, hey, no, I, I can do something a little bit different. So mm. that might have been the only thing I would have done, but I would have had to have the knowledge of where I, where I am Before. now in order to do that. So maybe some advice for any people who are pursuing a professional track, how would you advise them to select a track that allows them to also continue to have that creative outlet? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, I'm going to be blunt. I haven't worked at every like big corporate law firm um, to, to be able to generalize, but my impression or understanding is just based off of the culture. And I was a sociology major in college. So I'm like, you know, big on like the sociology of workplaces and the culture, like based on the culture, like even if you have other pursuits and even if they are accepting of other pursuits, 
you, these are the types of places where I don't know if you'll ever know really if you'll be accepted, right? Because mm-hmm. say even in my situation, right? Say that they were like, okay, it's fine as long as it doesn't interfere with your work, which it really wasn't. Um, but even then it's like, well, then there's still an opportunity for someone to create the idea in their head that it is inter- interfering with your work. So it's politics. It, exactly. So if I make a mistake on something or if I need a little extra time on something, even if it has nothing to do with the thing that I'm doing, I can't control their thoughts of me and I can't control whether or not they're thinking, oh, she probably didn't get to finish this because she was doing whatever she was doing um, on social media or she probably didn't, you know, she probably didn't catch this mistake because she's too worried about doing her little makeup videos. Like things like that, that even if the place is like okay with it, there is nothing protecting me as a black woman from someone still using that against me in some unofficial way, shape or form. And so that's really, that was also another huge part of why like I felt like I had to leave because I was like, well, even like, I was like, well, now it's kind of like, it's been tainted. Like now I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm paranoid about people looking at my page and making judgments or passing, patching, passing judgment on maybe me going to a birthday dinner on the weekend, which like I should be able to do, but like now I can't question mark or shouldn't have time to do. Um, so I would say like, to the extent that it comes up, like, or that you want it to come up, like bring it up in conversation and say, you know, I have other pursuits, um, but I, I don't even like that. Right. Like, I don't like the idea of being like, cause no other, other part of my life is asking, um, about what I'm doing, um, at work. And so it, it feels weird to me that like this job gets the, that position of being like, well, what are you doing in every other aspect of your life? Um, mm. and there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, conflict of interest, da, 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 da. like conflict of interest didn't really come up in the meeting at all. <laughs> when, when the, like if it were about conflict of interest, if the t- like if that were an issue, I feel like it would have come up and it didn't. And so that was also another thing that led me to believe like, yeah, it's not really about conflict of interest as much as it might be about control. And so mm-hmm. I would even like I would say like if you really genuinely think that like it is something that would be, you know, something that you would be able to pursue or want to pursue or really want to devote time to really pay attention to the culture of places and find out if there's a way, like, how do, how do people feel? Like, what do you do outside of work? Are there people, are there other examples of people here who are doing things outside of this job? Or am I going to be the only one? Um, like, tell me about what you do in your free time. And like, I don't really care about what other people at work do in their free time, but more so for the purpose of figuring out if people do have things that they do, if people do Mm -hmm. have free time, if people are able to spend time with their families, things like that. Um, is really important and are really important things to ask um, when like trying to decide where you want to work. Mm. I love that you mentioned that you've seen a lot of opportunities arise just based on this period of your life. I'm curious, have any of the law firms reached out to you and would you entertain their offers if they did? Um, No other big law firms have reached out to me, which like honestly makes sense because I think, (laughs) I think they, like, I feel like they know that this is something that they um, like they would be on the side of my law firm and they kind of like agree. Um, mm. I mean, I've had a lot of like, you know, people reach out from law firms that are not necessarily big law, but just smaller law firms. Um, and I've had, you know, legal recruiters reach out on LinkedIn. I even spoke to a legal recruiter before I left because I was so worried about like, you know, the immediacy with which I would be leaving and the gap in my resume if I wasn't, you know, jumping from law firm to law firm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't necessarily think that I have real interest in going to work at a traditional like nine to five law firm. 
Um, one, because this life now that I'm living is like too sweet. Like it's really like, it's really hard. <laughs> it's so hard to imagine going back. Um, uh, and so like all of those things, like the billing hours, the, you know, the, the, when you have to be in office, when you don't, when can I travel? Can I, the unpredictability, all those are things that I don't really miss. And on top of that, if I'm really being honest, I don't really think I was that interested in the work of these type of law firms. And I think it was more so like, you need to make the money. And this is this, these are the places that are paying you. Um, Mm. and so I am like, I've always had the feeling that whatever I wanted to do and wherever I end up is potentially going to be something that doesn't even exist yet. And so I'm leaning into that. And I say all the time, I'm like the, whoever the biggest influencers are on Instagram or TikTok, like they couldn't have said that this is what they wanted to be when they grew up because Instagram didn't exist 15 years ago. Like it didn't exist um, at certain times. And so like the job that they have, their dream job, the job that's paying the bills, like did not exist. And so I feel like that's also a position that I'm in. And like, I'm not abandoned in law. I'm not like, Ooh, like forget this law thing, <clears throat> but I'm very much so like, I don't have to do the things that I don't want to do anymore per se. And like, mm-hmm. that is very much so a privilege. Um, and that is one that I can lean into and I don't have to rely on the this is what you're supposed to do. And this is what you have to do. If you want to make it, I can rely on the, like what opportunities are out there. Do they like, are they opportunities that I'm interested in? If not, like, then I don't need them right now. And if so, like, let's explore and let's talk about that some more. Mm, What a blessing in disguise this time has been for you. So for anyone who wants to follow your journey and see what does come up next for you, where can we find you? Where can we follow your journey? Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram at any given Sunday. That is at E-N-I given Sunday. My handle is also the same on TikTok. So you can find me there. Um, I still, I'm picking back up on the blog. So that would be anygivensunday.com. Um, and I'm also trying to get back a little bit into YouTube. So yes. same thing, any given <laughs> Sunday, any Coca-Cola, like you can find me there. So yeah, a lot more, a lot more platforms in the mix now that I have the time, but any given Sunday will pretty much lead you to everything about me. Well, Annie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. I'm so glad I got to talk with you today. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you found this show helpful, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She'sOffscript.com. All right, with that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday for another episode. Bye.